Hello there and welcome to yet another exciting episode. This is Titandala, the podcast. I'm your host. My name is Charlie. Thank you so much for joining me for yet another one. And this time around, I'm so excited for my guest, man. She is talented singer, songwriter. She's beautiful and she's Made it to the show Scarlett, how you doing? Hello, I'm doing well, how are you? I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great uh, Great to have you on the show Thank you for asking me Yeah, yeah. we've been meaning to have this interview for, for a while For like two months yeah. yeah, it finally happened Yeah Pretty excited, pretty excited um, Your album's doing amazing stuff Yeah, I'm having a good time watching this <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's amazing, it's, it's quite amazing Thank uh, you I'm going to get into how you uh, came up with all of it And just what was the idea behind it and the team but for starters, I know a lot of people, myself inclusive, I don't know how I'm meeting you for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, where were you born and raised? So I'm a Lusaka product. Mm-hmm. I was born here, UTH. Yeah. Monday, the 6th of July. 1987 at about a little bit after 10 p.m. Mm, you have all those details. My mother is like, she doesn't forget. So Yeah? <laughs> yeah. She shared all that with you. I yeah. wish my mom would share with you. I think I'll ask So her. I was born in Lusaka, raised in Lusaka. I yeah. only left Lusaka for two years to do secondary school in Kitwe. Mm-hmm. I went to Pelembe and then I came back because yeah. I was ill. And then um, on and off I would spend time because my mom was... Uh, a diplomat So she left Zambia For a little bit Okay And so um, For for maybe On and off For about six years Yeah I was partly In Ventura, Namibia And here yeah. So um, For the most part I'm a Lusaka baby Ah okay yeah. I see and, and growing up in Lusaka There's only One or two schools You'd have attended Which schools did you attend I went in Kwasi oh. <laughs> Are you a soft I went kid, in Kwasi eh? uh-huh. Yes I, I'm government Proud schools. in Kwasi alumni hey. <laughs> I see, I see. That's great. That's great. Um, was music always part of your of your dreams, even the time that you're in school? Like, I want to do this. No. Or at what point does the music back bite you? And you're <laughs> like, hey, you know what? I wanted to be a lawyer, funny enough. Um, so and you'd make a good one by that. Actually, no, because I actually went to law school. Okay. So I wanted to be a lawyer when I was a kid um, for the longest time because I Anybody saw, a lawyer in your family? Yes, my uh, dad yeah, and my sister. I see that. But they did that after me. So, oh, well, my dad started and then me and then my little sister. My little sister is brilliant. So, is it? Yeah. She, I think I was dreaming on her behalf. Yeah. Um, so, I think I must have been about 11 mm-hmm. or so. Because we grew up in a very musical household. My dad played guitar. My mom sings or she used to sing. Brilliant voice, I must Yeah, my mom's got a really pretty voice. And yeah. so, I, my mother... There was music in the house. My mom was the loud one who would be singing. Even now, she's like so annoying. Yeah. But <laughs> but my dad used yeah. to play a lot of music in the house. Mm. And so I grew up with music in my head. Yeah. And like, uh, what type of music would you listen to, like, say, on a Saturday morning? My father was very into smooth jazz. Mm. So my dad's a jazz, a, a jazz fanatic. So yeah. anything jazz from, like, doesn't matter what era, yeah. he probably knows the artist and he can ah, tell you some of the history. And he had an amazing record collection. Mm. So my dad was that guy. And then he also did a lot of, like, old school gospel. So the Hawkins family and Ooh. Andre Crouch. Explains why you're so brilliant. Yeah. So yeah. My, my, musical, my musical soundscape in terms of, like, as a kid, what I was surrounded by was very rich very um technical music mm. it wasn't pop ever because yeah. we weren't really allowed to listen to most things yeah, yeah, yeah. so if you like we had a thing in our house like oh you're listening to bad songs 
I'm going to tell mommy, you know. No bad songs in the no house. No bad songs in the house. Yeah. So that was really like what I grew up listening to. Mm. And I think you can still tra- see traits of that in the music that I make. Absolutely. Because it was, it's what comes naturally to me. Yeah. Um, and it's still what I listen to, if I'm being honest. Um, I think when I was maybe like 11, I used to watch a lot of TBN. Mm-hmm. And I became obsessed with choirs. Yeah. And I really feel like that was when the bug bit. But yeah. in my mind, I was not a singer. There was that show uh, on TBN. What was that? The kids show? The teens? Whatever. What did uh, I used to call there it? There was Colby's Clubhouse. Oh, yeah. That was my favorite. <laughs> that was my yeah, favorite. Yeah, wow. That's like ages ago. Ages, man. Yeah, so I think that's when the bug bit. But in my mind, I wanted to be a choir conductor. So mm. I wanted to be like a choir director. Yeah. And... That used to be like a thing that I had in my head. Like one day, I, I've decided I'm going to actually do it. Were you like a type of sister that would round up, round up your siblings? And say, no, I, no, no, no. Music was just for me. Up to now, it's still just for me. For real? Yeah. Yeah. At what, at what point does your dad or your mom find out like this is what you want to do? The singing only happened when I was 22. Mm-hmm. And so my mom came to visit and came to where I was staying. Because when my parents left, I went to live with my grandmother. So she came yeah. to my grandma's house. And I said, do you want to come hear my songs? And she was like, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, like, cool. Let's go. Yeah. So we go. And we played uh, a song that James had written called Buisa. And my mom had never heard me sing, like, on a recording before. Yeah. She'd heard me sing in church. So she knew, oh, yeah, she can sing, but, like, it's not a thing. Let's listen to a record So now. They, they play her this song, and she's like, is that you? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And she's like... Okay, if this is what you want to do, I'll help you. So that mm. was like 2000. That was 2010. Wow. And yeah, it's been me and my mom ever since. Yeah. So mm-hmm. supportive, eh? Yeah. Yeah, I would say. I first bumped into your first album, um, 2015. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, 2015. And I listened to it. I was like, my, the first thing that came to me is like, why are people not appreciating music like this? Because it was absolutely amazing. It stands Thank out. Thank you. It's not in the crown. It stands out and it's amazing. And all of it is just like, it's local. I'm like, what do you think people didn't appreciate your first album like that? Much? I don't is think it, you that, didn't push it? Uh, no, no, no. I don't think people didn't appreciate it you think at so? all. Yeah? I don't think that at all. Mm. I, I had, I, man, no, I would never say that people didn't appreciate it. Yeah. They did. Is it? They did. And to this day, people still like, I like, do you still have copies? I want to get it. And people know the songs. Yeah. And people came to all the shows. Mm. So there is no, I would never ever say that people didn't appreciate was it. Was successful. I loved how impactful it was. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's what success is with music. Ah, get. People, I get. it's fair and fine, yes. Let's talk about it from a business angle. It's correct to say that numbers and the money that, you, that rolls in yeah. from your project ah, that's where I was it, going, actually. is what yeah, makes yeah. it successful. Mm. And I can't say that I didn't make any money. No, you did, obviously. I, I can't say that. Mm. But for me, what made that album successful to me is the impact that it had yeah. and the fact that nine years, 10 years, Down 11 line, years later, people still, people still sing those songs. Yeah. So for me, it's like, I, it's lasted a decade. And people will still talk about Monisungile yeah. Banja and Nipempa and um, My Kind of Kids. There was a lot of you know, great and there were songs, songs in on there. there. There are some songs that people didn't even know were mine that are on there. You know like, what my favorite is? Which one? Nikakuona. Nikakuona is not on the album, actually. It's, it was a single. It was a single. Goodness yeah. me. But that's the thing was that you with my tried? songs. Oh, yeah? I don't feel like people don't appreciate them because... 
people still love them even when they're like five, seven years old. Yeah, and classic. so for me, I don't have anything negative to say about like that. That project shocked mm. me because I didn't think it was going to do that well, Amazing. and it did. And the, the platforms that I ended up on because of that music, I could not have imagined it. Amazing any stuff. better than how it worked out. Yeah. You know, how many people can say that the first time there was a big show that had Hugh Masakela they played? Ooh, I played. Ooh. How many people can say that they played three times on the same stage that Mikasa played? Yeah. I played. How many people can say that they did like, you know, Earl Clues gig? I was there. And so I can't, like, I did so many things. Kenny Latimore. I did yeah. so many things. Of that music Amazing. because people appreciated that music. So yeah. I do not. So it's not about the numbers. No, it's the no. Impact. I, and I got numbers. Every copy that I had sold. Mm. So I can't say that people didn't appreciate it. They absolutely did. And yeah. to this day, it still shocks me that this little kid that nobody liked at school because I was really just like the most unpopular person you lie. ever in life. You kid there. Everybody I was wants to so ugly. Nah, you lie. I wish I oh, could send you pictures. On. I was so oh, horrible please. looking. <laughs> and I had like two friends and I hey, still have those would friends. Would you believe that she was ugly in school? I was That's what she's so saying. ugly. I don't know. Wait. I was terrible looking. And I only had two friends and the friends that I had are still my friends up to this day. And to think that I went from being that little like awkward kid and I'm still yeah. super awkward but to come out and have so many people yeah. love what I made for me I'll never take that for granted like ever I remember like doing the Zahara I remember yeah. doing that gig and coming out and someone saw my dress and people started screaming because they wanted to hear Munisungile Banja and that was just yes. such like those moments to me, no one can come tell Timeless. me that people didn't appreciate my music. They did. Yeah. They do. Great stuff. Yeah. I, I think you're an amazing human being, not an awkward one. <laughs> I'm Put so it like awkward. that. <laughs> my sister wants to be like, oh, you were laughing too much. <laughs> ah, she's so critical, eh? She should be a lawyer. Yeah. She is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You make, a lo- uh, you make timeless music. To you, what are some of the elements that makes music? Because I know there's some music that we listen to three months down the line. We trash it. On to the next one. Yeah. But you have this thing where you make your music timeless. Like right now, we're talking about your album. This is like 10 years or so after. Yeah. You know, what are some of the elements that you feel make a great, great timeless piece? Um, the spirit behind the song. So I'll give you an example of one of my absolute favorite Zambian artists, mm. Exile. Yeah. All of Exile songs to this day are bangers. Ah, yes. It doesn't matter how old Plays they are. Plays at the club, you'll be like, yeah, It I'm doesn't matter. How, exactly. And mm. it doesn't matter how old they are. And I think for me, the most important um, lesson that I would take from what Exile, Israel, mm-hmm. creates is that the spirit behind his music is always bright. Like, it's genuine and it's authentic and it's bright. So yeah. when he plays, he writes a song like Convela Nimvela, like, that's something that's an authentic experience that so many people have had yeah. and that is so relatable and there's nothing fake about it. Mm. For me, in my own experience, the songs which I made that I couldn't relate to myself because they were just songs that I was writing about a particular subject that I didn't identify with, yeah. no one likes them. Mm. They don't get any hits. But the songs that I make that are to do with like personal experience or experience of someone that I've experienced by secondhand being around the situation, mm. things that are actually real and that have genuinely touched me. Yeah. When I make a song about that, for example, Nika Kona was a personal song. Is it? Yeah. And so when I make a song about those things, those are the songs that people end up picking up and taking as their own. Yeah. So for me, I feel like that's what the difference is. Munisungile Banja is probably the most significant song Ooh, that, that I song. ever made. Yeah. I just sang that song 
It was not written by me. It was not written about me. And it was written for someone that I very dearly loved Mm -hmm. who was going through that situation. Mm. And I was just like, I feel so bad because you can see how overwhelmed this person is. So making the song was for her, was a gift to her. And it was genuinely from the bottom of my heart. And look what it did. And I think that's the difference. When you make songs that come from those places, those are the songs that last. And you can pick them out from every single artist that's out here. Mm. Songs that made it were the songs that people felt something about. And that's what music does. If you can't feel it, it doesn't go anywhere. So if the artist is making music that people can feel, and I always like to say this sometimes, like on my on my pages, be like I'm trying to give you something you can feel, is mm-hmm. because if someone can feel any kind of emotion that they identify with in a product that you've made, yeah, that allows them to take ownership of it because it's like Ooh, this is about me. That's powerful. And those are the songs that last forever. That's powerful. That's powerful. Actually, it takes me to the next question I was even about to ask, like, what, what's, your, what's your creative process? Do you just wake up, you got a sound, do you want to listen to a beat or you have waiting for an inspirational, no. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Check us through your creative process. <laughs> People love asking me this question. I don't yeah. have a creative process, if I'll be honest. Um, and I've always said this, God writes for me. The songs just come. Yeah. And then when they come, some of them take ages. There's a song I'm working on now, which is the first song on my next project. Mm-hmm. And it's really like just so elusive. So yeah. I have the chorus. Yesterday I got the first verse and then I got the end of the song, but I don't have a second verse. And then I woke up this morning and I can't remember the verse progression. Ooh. So that happens sometimes. Like yeah. where the song is sort of like coming and going. And then you have other songs like Look To You, which currently seems to be the most popular one on my new album. Mm. And Look To You came to me when I was like deep in depression and it took about three days to kind of happen. So I woke up in the morning and the chorus was just ringing in my head and it kept going, going, going. And then the words came and I kept arguing with myself like this doesn't make any sense because I'm just repeating the same thing over and over. And it was almost like that's exactly what you're supposed to do. And three days later, I had this full song. And up to now, every time I play it, like yesterday I played it in rehearsal and people got emotional. And I'm like, guys, we're rehearsing. Can we calm down? For real. Yeah. So there's that. And then there are other songs which come like boom. It's just I wake up and I'm like, like there's a song on my project now called What You Say. Mm -hmm. I wrote that song while I was cooking. Like, it just came yep. on a day when I was super happy. So I don't have a process which I can say, oh, I sit down and this is what I do. And I, I go into seclusion or whatever. I don't. Mm. I am going to, for the second project, I am going to fast while writing it, though. Because wow. I feel like I need to really connect with what I'm trying to say. Mm. And so I'm, when, I'm, when I finally start to sit down with it, I'm going to fast. Either the writing process or the recording process. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to be, like, in that space. But I don't have a process for how I create music. It comes to me like... Mm. Some songs come while I'm sleeping. Like, they just come. And then it's like, okay, those are the pieces. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then it like... Yeah, so I don't have a process. It's almost like it's just given to me. Do do you listen to other Zambian artists? I do. Why I was listening to Joy on the way here. Yeah. Pompey and Magnus from the... One album, yeah, 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 the Joy song, yeah, amazing stuff. Why I ask that is that do you sometimes um, listen to a Zambian song and say, ah, oh, I should have done it like that, but then you're surprised no. that people just love it. No, no. <laughs> you just be like, you did what you did, and it's so good. Because I think as as a creative, you are able, you're in a space where you can tell to say, you know what, I should have gone a little notch higher. It could have been With better. With my own song, yes, but I would never listen to another person's song, especially from here. I don't really have there's. N- 
there are no musicians here that I listen to and feel like, oh, I should try that. Yeah. I, I You're not inspired by zombie music. I'm not in, not, no, no, I am. Yeah. But I'm not creatively directed by it. Ooh, I see. Yeah, it doesn't move me in that way. Mm. I listen to it because I'm like, oh, this is my jam. Like, I listen to it as a consumer. Mm. So for me, I have... Zambian songs that I absolutely love yeah. that are just Zambian songs that I love because they're so three. dope. Okay, so currently, Toxic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bobby East. Bobby, yeah, yeah. Um, the second one would be Salma's. Salma, it's not out, but Salma's new album has a song on there called Eweso. Oh, yeah? It's a Nigerian song. Like, it's very, like she took like Nigerian influence and she uh-huh. has a Nigerian feature there. Yeah. It's such a dope song. Like, Can't it's, wait to listen to it's her It's such album, a wonderful eh? song. I mm. love that song. And I heard it at her listening party. So for me, that's staying on my list, even though it's not out. Yeah, so it just stuck with it you like stuck that. There, yeah, and then um, this. Um, the Pompey and Max song. Yes, yeah, 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 yes. Those guys make great. Yeah, so those are like right together, now yeah? off the top of my head. It's those three mm. that I'm feeling. Do I have another one? Oh, Cleo's EXO. It's dope. <laughs> yeah, like, but they're songs. It's old, but it's just, It's yeah. old, yeah, but they're yeah. songs. And, like, I have... There's lots of songs that I really, really just love. And I love them as a listener, as a yeah, music yeah. listener. But as an artist, mm. there's nobody that I'm sitting around thinking, hmm, I should make something like that. No. But yeah. I would want to remake all of Pompey's originals. His Is first... It? The Mijou album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would cover all of them. And that would be dope. I would love to cover them. And that would I, be absolutely dope. Yeah, I always, I always tell him, like, yeah. I, you should write for me. And then, like, just write what you wrote for yourself and then give it to me. And then I'll, and then I'll, I'll interpret it. I see. And you'd be like, huh. I think that's that would be a project I'd look out for. Yeah, so I, I love how Pompey writes. Mm. And so uh, working with him was also really cool. Yeah. Doing the Wait and Pray song. But it, that's probably the only artist that I feel like I would, like, pinch mm. from. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, but everyone else, I just think they do, they make beautiful stuff that's good for the way that they sound. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't fit what what I do. Ah, yeah. I see, I see, I see. And 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 looking at how you have transitions in the industry, you had a, quite a big break. Like yeah. you had you had a gap year, not a gap year, but I had a gap, a gap half decade. <laughs> like gap half five decade. years, five years of yeah. What I'm happened? We missed up. you. What happened? Um. So my thing was, I I do struggle with. Well, I will not claim it now because I'm fine now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have suffered from mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that struggle with my mental health would present in different ways. I think maybe even from when I was way younger. Yep. But um, at the point that I got to like 2015, there was a lot of stuff that happened like in my personal and public life. Mm. that was very difficult for me to cope with and I kind of had a mental breakdown. And so out of that, I told myself, I don't think I want to sing. I think music is toxic for me. Is and it? So, yeah. And so You're that's thrown in the towel, literally. Yeah. I was like, I'm done. I don't think this is for me. Um, I think it was a matter of positioning at the time because mm-hmm. I don't believe that I was doing what I was meant to do. Yeah. Um, and so that's probably why it was so difficult because when you're not cut out for something and you put yourself in that situation... Yeah. You won't do well because it's not what you're cut out for. Mm. So everyone has their purpose in this life and everyone has their place. And I was just in the wrong place at that time. Yeah. And so I felt like, no, I don't want to do this. It's taken five years for me to figure out what my place was. Yeah. And then say, yeah, okay, I can pick this up again. Yeah. 
But in the five years, I honestly just was like, I don't want to sing. Wow. And there was complete silence, so I couldn't even sing. I had um, injured myself um, going into the last Stanbic Jazz Festival that I did, which was the last one they did at the the Misty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was uh, suffering from a tear in my throat. Yeah. And so I had bleeding and a lot of like very bad pain and inflammation in there. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually did that show on steroids. Like I had to take pills before going live. Yeah. Coming out of that, I was like, this is a sign that this isn't for me and I'm just not going to do it. And so I walked away from it. Mm. And I'm one of those people like I joke about this all the time. Like, oh, my God, I'm such a quitter because if something is too rough, I'm just like, I don't think. I'm going to run. Yeah. Like, I'm a runner. I'm a track star. And talking about uh, the subject of, uh, of mental health, it's something that uh, a lot of people actually try to avoid. Or mm-hmm. some people have it, but they just don't identify with it. Mm-hmm. How did you manage to first identify to say, this is a problem that I really have to deal with? And eventually, how did you manage the situation and came out of it? So, 2016, I think I was like, having a really rough time just with everything mm-hmm. I told a friend of mine about it um, his name is Alinani and he said listen I know a doctor this might sound weird but maybe you want to like go and have a conversation with this guy Yeah. so I said okay cool let's <clears throat> go so he picked me up and he took me and he paid for the consultation mm-hmm. and um, out of the I went there twice and the diagnosis was that I had a condition that is referred to as a um, major depressive disorder. Mm-hmm. And mine was episodic, so it would come back like at different times of the year. Yeah. Um, and so he put me on medication for that. And yeah. I was on medication for about six, seven months. Maybe just to explain that, what, what, what does that do though? So um, what it is, is when people say, oh, this person is depressed. So it's like mm-hmm. clinical depression. Mm-hmm. So that's what it was. But with me, it would be very, very extreme and it would go all the way to like having like anxiety attacks nightmares insomnia Mm. like it would affect my appetite it would affect even just my physical health like my i would get heart palpitations migraines Mm. like all of that stuff and like be sick Mm. and so um i started taking the medication and i took it for i actually stopped taking it when my grandmother died in 2018 so i I feel as though in that moment, it was sort of like a wake-up call to say, you need to figure out what this is. Mm. And so I started now looking for other ways to cope. Right. The medicine made me very, very, very sick, like physically sick. So now I'm like, catch 22. If I don't take yeah. the medicine, I'm mentally ill. Mm. If I take if the I medicine, take it, it I'm physically Ill. ill. So now what do we do? So um, I came across a Japanese system, which is termed 5S mm-hmm. for, for us, which is um, the, it's like the principle of continuous improvement, so yeah. Kaizen. And what it is, is you sort of like sort, systemize, and like there's these five S's that you follow to clean up your work environment yeah. or your working processes. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is really interesting because I can apply this to my mind. And so that's what I started using. Yeah. Which was, if I feel a certain way, I take sort. And to sort is to say, sit down and sit with the feelings Mm -hmm. and like dissect them and put them in their correct place. 
And so that sort stores and like that's what it was. Okay. And so I would do that with my feelings. Yeah. And that's how I got off the meds. Ah. So it worked for a while because I would use that all the time. I still use it now. Like if I'm having a moment, yeah. I step back from it. I'm like, what is this? What is this about? Mm-hmm. Why do I feel this way? Is it real? Is it fake? And then you kind of separate that because for me, I realized that in my version of depression, and I say that because a lot of people have a different experience of what depression is, mm. right? So I don't apply blanket approach to like any of it because what your depressed looks like would not be what my depressed yeah. looks like and it doesn't invalidate invalidate the fact that you are depressed if mm. you're depressed it's just different and so i always say in my version because for me what happened with me was different from the next person you mm. see so i will sit with the feeling and a lot of times what it was was there was a combination of the truth and um like a conflagration of what the truth was yeah. So making it bigger Than it actually is And then it seems like I can't deal with it Because mm. it's so bad So actually sitting down And saying What is true And what is fake And this would happen Like I'll give you A basic example Of like having an argument With your girlfriend mm-hmm. And it's, they say It's triggered me Right yeah. So I was triggered And what was the trigger Oh we were in the moment And this person said this mm-hmm. And then I was triggered And how did you behave After you were triggered I felt this I felt that I had a panic attack so now it's like, okay, what did the person actually say? Mm-hmm. So I had to do that. Like where I'd be like, what did the person actually say? What did they mean? And literally say, this was where the full stop was. Everything else that you added to it that made you now start spiraling is what you added to it. So starting to like separate oh, that so that I can calm myself down. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's a, how. That's quite a complex technique, but I think it's effective. It is, but that's, eh? how, it, that's how I managed to stop taking the medication. Because like yeah. I was like, this med... First of all, it made me like a zombie. <laughs> I would go and I'd be, be on radio and I'd be mm. like dozing and I'd completely lose gaps of time. Mm. And I was at power at the time. So I get off and Patrick is like, what happened between this time and this time? And you can't when the song literally. came on, you were not saying anything. And I'm like, I don't remember. Mm. But they realized something was wrong, so they didn't fire me. <laughs> Thank you, Power FM. But um, mm. at, at, after that, I was like, okay, no, I need to do something. Yeah. So that's what I used at first. And that kind of worked for maybe like a year, a year and a half. And then yeah. I started going to therapy. So I started going to therapy in 2019. Mm. And I was on therapy 2019, 2020. And at the end of 2020, I managed to get down from going three times a week to going like once a month. Yeah. And I haven't been this year because I've managed to manage myself. Mm. So that's why I say like... I do have mental health issues. Like I've, I've struggled with my mental health in the past, yeah. but I don't claim it because I've managed to like mm. overcome what that was. And I now have created a, an ingrained, like I've, I've internalized the coping mechanisms that I need to use to keep myself in a sensible place. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, my, my thing is I, I feel a lot of people like what happened to you. The first step was to identify, to say, this is a problem. Yeah, Like I don't feel good. You know, like for most of the people, they just take it like, ah, this is how I feel. This is how I, like, yeah. how does somebody uh, identify to say, this could be a problem that could be so severe and action is to be taken now. Hmm. You can actually Google symptoms, which I don't recommend. Uh, Google always gives you, like, but all these you, things. You know, like, I think that we all know when we don't feel like ourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Most of the times, and I, I'm, I, I say this as, like, a mental health awareness advocate. Mm. We don't create safe spaces for each other to talk about when we don't feel okay. 
Yeah, makes sense. Especially guys, okay, like that's even a bigger yeah, fear. For, for, like for men, it's different. You guys don't sit down and say, mm, boy, apa? Things are not things. I'm not. I don't feel like me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then terms that are bandied around, crazy, insane. This person is schizo. This person is psycho. psycho this person why? is, yeah. you know, he's bipolar. You are not a doctor to call somebody bipolar. Mm. We don't create safe spaces to have the conversations that need to be had around I don't feel like myself. Yeah. Right? And I think that's the beginning of the issue. Mm. If you follow on from there, it's very difficult to be in a situation where you say to someone, uh, I think I'm depressed. And the person says to you, yeah, just ungrateful. Or this is making me anxious. Stop being childish. Just breathe. Yeah. There are so many things that we say that make spaces unsafe for people to actually speak up and say, I don't feel like I'm okay. Something mm. is wrong. I have friends who are so understanding of who I am as a person. They hold space for me. And so I can go to any of them at any given time and be like, I need to talk to you. I don't feel good. Yeah. And they'll be like, okay, cool. Let's go through it one thing at a time. And once we get to the bottom of it, you've gotten that little support that can lead you to a conversation where maybe your friend will say, do you maybe think you want to go in? Yeah. And then I'll call my therapist and say, I don't feel good. Can I come? You see? Mm. But people don't have safe spaces to have these conversations. So it's difficult to to know whether you're just being a sissy or something is really wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where it begins from. Also, just being honest with yourself. Like, if you don't feel good, you don't feel good. Mm. And again, if there's no safe space for you to take those feelings, to ask someone, like, what do you think? You know, or I got really scared yesterday. I had a nightmare and I woke up and I was hyperventilating. You don't know that you're hyperventilating. You're Mm. just like, I don't know what it was. People who suffer from sleep paralysis, which is continuous. Yeah. And don't realize that that's because they're stressed and something's wrong in the head Mm -hmm. because they're stressed. So they need to cope with their stress. Otherwise, their sleep is being affected. Yeah. All of those things. There are no safe spaces to have those conversations. If I say to you yesterday, boy. I had this dream. It's like someone so was choking me. Uh, or you've got demons. <laughs> you should go to church. You see what I mean? When yeah, in actual fact, true. you should have the conversation and be like, are you okay? And like, I don't think I'm okay. Why? What's going on? No, work, this, this, this. Maybe you're stressed. Maybe you need to take a break. Mm. We don't have those conversations. Yeah. Like in general, we don't have those conversations. With me, I have these conversations with everybody in my life because I know how helpful they were for me. So when someone says to me, this is what's going on, I hold space for them because they need to be able to be safe enough to say, okay, I'm going to start crying now because I don't know what's happening and I'm really, really scared. And if you have friends or family that can make you comfortable enough for you to say that, then when something like that happens, I'll easily just say to my friend, like, okay, I'll go with you and I'll call the shrink for you. Mm -hmm. The therapist, I don't like using the word shrink. I'll call the therapist for you and Mm -hmm. we'll go and like, you know, we'll set something up because you're not okay. So we don't have enough safe space to have conversations around how we feel as people. And that, I think, is the beginning of the problem. Because from there, it's very difficult if you haven't been open about it to get treated. Because because you haven't said anything. To be quite honest, it's a lot of people that are going through the same and just don't identify with it. But it keeps on, you know. Happening keeps on happening to them yeah on to the good stuff then yeah all the great performances you've had with all the iconic legends Mm -hmm. which one stands out for you the one when you sit down just say you know what that was quite an experience (laughs) (laughs) so best performance yeah 
Kenny Latimore. Yeah. Opening for Kenny Latimore, best performance. Mm. Um, How does the invitation get to you, though? Smooth IK, man. Yeah. That's my guy. So he was just like, there's no way I'm doing this gig and you're not here. You yeah. need to be here. And I was like, okay, great. Because I was like very much ZNBC. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like inter- the entertainment guy. So he's yeah. literally just like always been in my corner. So when they got that show, he called and he was like, look, I don't care what we need to do to get you here, but you need to do this because it's a huge platform. And, you know, you you get to do something that other people have not done. It's the first time this man is coming to Zambia. Mm-hmm. So come. And so for me, I'm very big on relationships. I've kept the relationships that I had from then till now. Yeah. And so that call, innocent color look up. You just got to get up and go. Yeah. You know, just got to get up. Show up. Yeah. And I showed up and he was like, you did a good job. <laughs> Amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's good. So I think best performance for me in terms of how much work we put into it and how well we did on the stage. Yeah, that was the best one because we really worked hard mm. um, with that. Um, I think for me, biggest event like where I went to do the event and I couldn't believe that I was there yeah. was still will always be Zahara because yeah. that was packed. That was a killer I, event. Apart from the national anthem. Which I just did. Yeah, I've never sang to that many people before. Mm-hmm. So going in there and singing, and people singing along yeah. was mind blowing. The other one, which I think for me will always be my standout performance forever. Yeah, because it was the first time that it ever happened. Was I headlined the Blantyre Arts Festival, mm-hmm. and um, the second night we went up, and there was a school that had come to. Um, no, they were from the area So mm-hmm. I think they were from Lilongwe And they came to Blantyre Or they were from Blantyre But I can't remember where the school was from But it was a school for orphans yeah. And they had all these kids And they said, well, you know it's, it's a treat for them as they close the term yeah. For them to come and do this field trip And come and watch the show So mm. they watched my set And it was packed And it had rained And it was really nice Like It was a really cool gig Amazing But we had done a set where there were all these you know Bob Marley covers in there and people yeah. knew the song so the crowd was like going because they were yeah. like oh this, you know these are songs that we know and then we get to the end and I'm like we're going to do this one song before we leave and this song is called When I See You in Nyanja mm-hmm. and so I explained what the song was and we're singing Nikakona and these kids when we started doing the hey hey ho oh, oh, they yeah. started singing it back Whoa. and they literally were my backing vocalist the whole song amazing it was just afterwards they said where are these children from and then the director of the school came and explained and I was like and she said to me the last time we had we saw a show here where someone performed at this level of like professionalism with mm. what you guys have come and done here and how coordinated you were mm-hmm. was Salif Keita Ooh, that huge. was such a huge compliment yeah. for me and so I was like what and she's like yeah and I'm like no I'm just a kid from Zambia you know like <laughs> Thank you. And yeah. she's like, really? Yeah, so after that, they would email. And I think for me, that was a very, um, I'll never forget that that show because mm. we had such a rough time getting there and getting back. Yeah. And we got robbed when we just reached Lilongwe. Like when we just got off the bus, we got robbed. And so my drama lost his sticks, he lost yeah. his money. Like everything Bad experience eh? It was not but a ended cool up Yeah and then we get there And like where we were sleeping Was tricky And it was just like We didn't get paid much mm. For doing the gig So going up Under those circumstances And saying Okay we're going to switch All that off And we're going to do a good show And we did the show And I think that's probably One of the best shows That I did with yeah. the band 
And so those three, I think, stand out for me because of how much work we put in and also just the response. Mm -hmm. And so I think, like, top three would be definitely Blanta, um, the Kenny Latimore show, and the Zahara one. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about uh, the inauguration ceremony, did Mm -hmm. you, at any point when you were actually typing that tweet, think the president was going to reply to you? No. (laughs) At all? Like, it was just like, oh, let me try it. No, I was just... I say a lot of really silly things on Twitter and I've yeah. stopped doing that now because I <laughs> no, realize you shouldn't that because look at what happened. I stop now because I'm like, oh, people are actually paying attention to this. Yeah. So I, I posted that tweet like just, I wasn't even shooting my shot. It was literally just me like, guys, tell him I want to sing, you know? Yeah. Because everyone was kind of having that conversation with all excited him all the time, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then I get the response and it's like, oh, you're actually going to do it. And it was not real to me until we got there and we were dealing with like the army. Yeah. And they were like, oh, so the national anthem is part of the parade. We don't know what we're going to do here because you can't be in the parade. Yeah, yeah. Or like, and then the people I was with were like, oh, no, they're going to say no. And I was like, until they say no, it's still we're going doing on. it. And yeah. then they didn't say no and we did it. And so, like, and it was amazing. I was, and that you was know such what? a beautiful day. And you know what, what, what added to the whole a thing is that that was quite an emotional day for everybody. Yeah, it was. And just seeing you on stage there and just seeing. Like this came from a tweet, actually, and it's happening. <laughs> like anything is possible it now. Give everybody new anything hope to say, you know now. what? That, but that was amazing performance. Yeah. That was an amazing performance. Standing really on that stage day. and seeing all those people, what was going through your mind? So the first stanza, I was really thinking about all the technical glitches because there was lots of madness <laughs> happening on the stage, and I'm yeah. thinking I can't hear, and like it's just sounding so terrible because you're getting the feedback back, mm-hmm. and you can actually hear it because when when. When you when you when you roll it back, some clips the sound was fine. Yeah. But in some clips you can hear that I couldn't hear, so I was singing a bit lower than I was supposed to be singing. Mm. And so I'm trying to like, like control the situation. Yeah. And then when we got to the praise be to God, I think, I looked up, and I was like, this is actually happening. Yeah. And I think that's the point where there's a picture of me, like, I just randomly, like, smiled. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, it hit me, like, you're really here, and he's really over there. Yeah. And you're really doing this. Amazing. And that was, like... That's a great moment. Yeah. Great, great moment. Until I have a child, I don't think I have a moment that tops that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Probably got a lot of money, too. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was not, it was not a paid gig at all. Mm-hmm. No. But you actually had a great time doing it. Yeah, I did. It was it was a really good experience, and it was uh, it's never been done before. I love to be the first person to do things. Yeah, so. amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. You have a gig coming up. I do. Yeah, so, tell us a bit um, more about that. Next Saturday, actually, eleventh December. Mm-hmm. Um, if this is it, yeah, eleventh December, um, I'm playing my first gig in six years at Alliance Francaise. Yeah, and. I'm playing with a completely new ensemble. So it's a band that I haven't used in this order before. I've only worked with the MD in this case. So mm-hmm. I like to make my keyboard player my MD at all times. And I've had the yeah. same MD for 10 years. Is it? Yes. But now my MD is Sampa, the greats MD. Ooh, <laughs> that's going to be So fire. if me and Sampa have a gig on the same day, he's going with Sampa. Ah, you see now. That's another <laughs> so, thing. Yeah, so he's ditched me. He's going with Sampa. And um, his name is Lazarus. Yeah. So my new MD is called Mapalo. Yeah. And Mapalo is running the band now. So this is a completely different team that I'm working with. I have a female bass player mm-hmm. uh, named Shimo. And Ben, she's playing drums. And Joshua's on guitars. And then I'm pulling Mula back in. Yeah. So it's, it's a brand new ensemble for the most part. 
um, but I've worked with Mapalo before. Yeah. I actually went to Malawi with Mapalo. So um, it's one of those things where I'm really excited to be doing it on a completely clean slate. I'm yeah. not going to sing any of the old songs. So I'm literally coming out and I'm performing the album and I'm telling you the whole story about how the album came to be and like what is behind the songs mm, and the experience. Amazing. Yeah, and just like singing the songs um, live, which is my favorite way to do things. Yeah. And so I am very excited to be doing this again. Yeah. I wasn't sure mm-hmm. that it would take. So when I said, okay, let's try and do a show in December, I'd been pushing it back. Yeah. I said, let's try and do a show in December. I've been pushing it back from July, actually. I wanted to do a show before the album came out. Mm. And um, I said, okay, fine. So we're finally going to do it. And everyone was like, okay, I will do it. And then I just woke up one day and I was like, if I don't do this now, I'm not going to do it. So I started yeah. running around and putting the whole thing together. And two weeks ago, just like all of a sudden, like just people just woke up and they were like, oh, yeah, 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 we're totally coming to that. Yeah. So I'm really excited because the numbers already are looking like really good and it's going to be a good crowd. Absolutely. And so I'm excited to have people come and see me sing, some who've never seen me before and some of the old gang who used mm. to come to all the shows. So I'm really excited about that. And um, I'm going to be doing this from a very authentic place of like being up there and being vulnerable and saying like, this was my journey to get here. Yeah. And this is how I'm finding my way because that's what the album is about. Yeah. And so I'm really excited for people to come and hear the music. It's going to be fire. It's going to so be there. crazy. Like it's the songs, yes, there. you are. Yeah. The songs are so good. Like they're, and I don't say this because they're mine. I say it because I feel like there's so much that comes out of being Genuinely in a place where like This is who I really am And this is what I'm really dealing with Yeah And I really want to Share that with someone Who might be in the same space mm. And needs to hear this So that they feel like They're not by themselves Exactly And I need everybody coming For that show to feel like What you just yeah. said right now So I want people to come up And like Feel the music mm. And be like I totally identify with this And maybe cry a little bit <laughs> Yeah we, we're not going to get into that crying <laughs> stuff, but yeah, but uh, it's, I'm sure, I'm, it's going to be absolutely amazing because I think... Um, I'm stoked. You stopped so us excited. for a long time, so yeah, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> really going to so be amazing. Sorry. Like yesterday, I was in rehearsal and I was singing one of the songs, like, this song is so hard to sing. So singing it, I'm like, okay, like, let me just try and control it. So we sing the song and we go all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. And my friend, who's been singing backing vocals for me for like 10 years, yeah. looks at me and says, I forgot... And I said, oh. you forgot what? And she says, I forgot how good you are. And I yeah. was like, I forgot too, man. Yeah. Is, yeah, so I'm excited. Amazing stuff, amazing stuff. So uh, get, how can people get the tickets? So if you want tickets, you still have a few left. So mm-hmm. we're calling 0965-221-996. Okay. Or you can DM on any of my social platforms. So mm. that's Facebook, Twitter, Do you reply? Instagram. Oh, you like those ones that don't? We do reply. So ah, if awesome. I don't, then my, my social media manager does. Mm-hmm. Um, but we respond to everything. We'll get your details and we'll follow you and we'll bring the tickets to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, also because um, now with like the COVID thing coming back up, I'm trying yeah. to be very careful about who we're getting to come. So I'm not doing like mass like... Oh, yeah. get it from anywhere. Mm-hmm. So we're very keeping it very personal, also, so that just in case of anything, if we need to contact Trace, we have everybody's contact details. We met everyone, yeah, and we're able to like go back in and say, "Oh, this person is not well, so people need to." But I don't think that's going to happen. And also, we're going to be socially distanced inside the venue. Mm-hmm. Everyone's getting a mask when they get to the door. We'll sanitize. We'll check your temperature. So yeah. we're going to do all the correct things to make sure that we're, de- we're adhering to guidelines. Yeah. And it's just going to be a good time. There'll be food on sale outside. So, yeah. yeah. 
Amazing. Get yourself those tickets. Uh, you can DM on all the socials and find yourself there. It's going to yeah. be an amazing experience. What a, what, a, what a way to close this year because yeah. I think it's been quite a rough year for everybody. I feel like it's been a good year for me. Is it, eh? Yeah. Amazing stuff. 2021, I think, has been a good year for me. And mm. I say that taking into account all of the rough stuff that happened because I think I've grown a lot this year. Yeah. And I also found a different side of myself that I didn't realize was there. And it's like, oh, okay, I really like you, you know? Mm-hmm. So peeled back another layer. And I think also just, it's the one year that I can honestly say that I committed to doing something and I saw it all the way through to the end. Amazing. And so this year, I think, has been one of the best I've had in a very long time. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. I, I, and I think in, in, in hindsight, also, I think... 2020 was a, actually really good for me too. <laughs> is it, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I think 2021 has been really great. I voted and, uh, you know... Oh my yes, vote that counted. was the best part. Oh, my vote counted. That was amazing. Still, still proud of myself after yeah, today. Yeah, the best part. Absolutely amazing. Best part. So listen, in closing, uh, what legacy do you want to leave behind? So I'm making legacy music now. Mm. And I want to leave two things. Mm-hmm. Musically, I want to leave music that becomes the music that 50 years from now people sing in their churches. Amazing. That's my goal in life. And um, secondly, as a person, I want to be the thing that comes into the room and makes it different doesn't matter what room it is mm. but if I'm in the room I shouldn't leave it the way I found it and people should always be like when she was here so for me that's what I've tried to do even in my job and yeah. I think that I am successfully starting to look back and see a trail of things where I can say I didn't leave people things or places the way I found them I left them better yeah. and so that's really just what I want to do like it's just to make the world around me more beautiful just by being here yeah you're such an amazing person man <laughs> thank you so much thank you and keep shining thank you so much for having me this was fun alright ladies and gentlemen this is where we close it's been Charlie until next week it's bye for now alright oh that was amazing <laughs>